wonderful people. This is Jason English with Things About Things, simplifying concepts without sacrificing depth. And this time we're talking about COVID. And I am on the phone with my dear friend, Dr. Tracy Parrish. We've been friends for something like 10 years. Does that sound right, Tracy? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And Tracy is a doctor. She's an um, what emergency medicine physician. Is that what it's yes. called? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So a, I would call that a good old-fashioned doctor, like the real <laughs> medical doctor, like a medical doctor. And, and Tracy uh, has dealt with uh, COVID patients and been posting a bit online about her thoughts and experiences and thought it'd be good for us to um, have a conversation. So thanks for joining me, even though it had to be on the phone. Yeah, of course. I'm honored to sit and learn from you. And I'm also, I'll start right off the bat by saying that I'm proud of you. Uh, Proud of you for being in people's lives that go through difficult things. Uh, Thankfully, I haven't had to go through anything as difficult as what, you know, I've seen on the news with COVID stuff. But I know that when I have gone through, you know, relatively speaking, difficult things, I'm thankful that to know that you exist and that you would be there if I needed you. And I'm honored and thankful for that. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been a doctor for 12 years. Right. Yeah. And you are actively regularly involved in seeing COVID patients, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Every, every day I go to work. So there's so much information out and I think that in the where we're at in our culture is because of stay-at-home stuff, there's we're, we're inundated with information on our phones, on our TVs. Some of the information is probably not accurate, um, and, and then I'm sure some of it is. Uh, but on a really basic level, what is COVID-19? <laughs> so COVID-19, you've heard the word novel, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So novel means it's new, um, which is fairly rare. It's not a real common occurrence in the virus world, but it happens periodically where a new virus will will exist, will come to be. And um, if it's like this one, um, it can be very, very infectious and have a lot of bad things associated with it. And part of that badness is the fact that our bodies don't recognize it, um, meaning our immune systems, because it's new, because it's novel. And so that's part of why this is such a big deal. Yeah. But it's a virus. And but so our bodies are used to viruses, but not this kind? Right. Um, not this one in particular. So there, there, there are coronaviruses that are out there. Um, yeah, hand sanitizer, it'll say it kills coronavirus. Say that again? Like on some hand sanitizers, it says kills coronavirus, but it's not referring to this novel 19 one, right? Yes, it it should. It should actually kill Uh, that one. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, but there's not there's not a whole lot of coronaviruses out there. There's okay. really that infect humans. There's seven now. Okay. Um, and two of those that came before um, coronavirus were SARS and MERS, which were two yeah. very very deadly coronaviruses. Um, and then there's the other four that are more. They still cause a 
nasty infection, you still feel really miserable if you get one of those. Okay. Um, but they're not as deadly as these three. So try to, uh, we, uh, we talked about this right before I pressed record, but can you, mm-hmm. again, can, what, what is a virus? <laughs> so a virus, the way I think of a virus is like these tiny microscopic machines um, that have no real living parts in them. They're, um, they have like an outer core and then the inside is the genetic material. And so when they get into a host, a body, that is the only time they can replicate or do anything. They do absolutely nothing on their own unless they're in a host. Um, they just sit there. They just exist. They do absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And so it's just the fact of their replication in your cells or in a host cells that causes all the havoc. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's August 5th right now, right? I think mm-hmm. as we're talking. So obviously if anyone listens to this, if anything's changed after August 5th, we can't really account for that. But it, 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 the current state of where things are, can you speak into some advice that you would have and some things that you would hope that the listener would do? Right. So August 5th, we're kind of smack dab in the or deep summer, late summer, um, and Thankfully, we're just starting to see a a slight decline in case numbers uh, over the last week or so um, nationwide. And even in North Carolina, we're starting to see a trend downward, which is nice. What I will say about that is we all hoped and partially expected, but we didn't know for sure, that there would be a total drop in the summer. Because that's what happens with almost all respiratory illnesses and viruses is that in the summer they just go almost to nothing why do they go to nothing uh we a a part of that is just people are outside and it's a lot there's uh it's a lot harder to transmit the virus just being outside being out and about um not being in enclosed areas in the fall and winter we're in much closer contact with each other just because of Mm -hmm. the cold and the weather. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that's when flu season is and that's when, you know, we see RSV and children and, you know, all these things. Um, and so we all kind of in the medical community, I'm sure everybody heard on, you know, watching everything that we would see a decline in the summer, which is not what we saw. Right. Um, it's pretty disheartening to see this huge rise over the month of July. Um, thankfully, we're starting to see, I think, mitigation effects of the big states like Texas and Arizona and starting to, you know, mask um, mandates and things like that. North Carolina did that. And uh, I think we're starting, it takes, gosh, four to six weeks from when a mitigation is implemented to see the effects of that because of the length of the virus and how long it takes to infect kind of the bubble effect, how it just goes out. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think one, yes, it's great that we're seeing this decline over the last week. Two, that is a result of these mask mandates that 
everyone started doing as a result of the big rise we saw in July. So three, don't let down your guard. (laughs) Don't think this is going away. This is, this is good. This is good. This is what we want. This is what we got to keep doing. And so my biggest piece of advice is wear something over your face, (laughs) wear a mask, wear a shield, wear, wear something over your face, a scarf. I don't care. Um, that is probably my, my biggest message, my biggest hope for everybody. So it, it doesn't, you don't think it matters a whole lot what the fabric is over your face? I don't, I mean, I think there, there's definite, um, there, (laughs) I will wear, I wear an N95 everywhere to the grocery store, the gas station, at the hospital, I don't care if I'm so seeing somebody with an ankle sprain. That's man. what I wear as an N95. So I think that's probably one of the best things you can wear. They're hard, harder to find. Can you define um, what that is? An N95. Mm-hmm. So it is a mask. Um, it filters down to uh, something. Um, I don't know the exact specifications, but it filters like. Uh, the tiny, 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 mm-hmm. uh, particles. I mean, it could be a chemical, it could be anything that's at a certain diameter. Wow. Um, yeah. And the coronavirus is actually a fairly large, uh, it's a fairly large, uh, thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's 300 times the size of a oxygen molecule, for example. I mean, it's, it's pretty large. If I wear a mask and I'm exposed, I'm I'm near someone that has COVID. Mm-hmm. It floats in the air. It hits my mask, so hopefully it blocks from going in my mouth. But then it's in my mask. Right. Then I touch my mask. Right. And I'm gonna do hand sanitizer when I'm out and about. I'm gonna wash my hands when I get home. But theoretically, I'm still I'm still at risk, right? Right. Right. So that is true. And that yeah. I, I, that is true. So you yeah. can get it from a surface. Yeah. Um, you can touch your eyes, you can touch your nose or mouth and, and inf- infect yourself to some degree. But I will say, even if you do that, and even if that happens, which I'm sure happens, sure. we have, we've seen in studies. Now there's multiple studies that are showing that the, it's, we're not a hundred percent that this is true. This is the theory behind it. But what we're seeing is when mass amounts of people wear masks, the, um, death rate goes down and the severity of the illness goes down. So even if they get infected, because this is a very infectious virus, they tend to have a much um, milder case, so almost a, like a common cold or less. So, a virus, if a virus is like the little machines that you talked about, mm-hmm. it actually right. matters how many of the little machines get in you. That is the theory. That's okay. this. Um, I think they're calling it like a loading theory or a, a volume theory, some, something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that's going to prove to be true. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's going to prove to be true. And so, that I mean. To me, that's incredible news mm-hmm. because if we could all wear masks and get just a tiny, 
inoculation, you know, just a tiny dose of this, and then we all get some immunity to it without yeah. getting severely ill. As opposed you know to what all I mean? or nothing, yeah. Right. Okay, that's so helpful. Why do you think, Tracy, this is a pretty loaded question, why do you, why do you think there's so much polarization about both mask wearing and even legit, um, legitimacy of COVID existing? Why do you think that that is so strong in our culture? Maybe the the existing of it, maybe those were the early stages. Maybe that's not even part of the conversation anymore among people. Right. I, I don't know. But what, why the polarization about this, in your opinion? So I, I think there's a, a few different things. Um, one, I think, um, you know, goes all the way to the top. I, I don't like to get political, but I think, you know, early on, um, we were told from the White House that, you know, wearing a mask wasn't necessary and I'm not going to do it. And, and so kind of led by example. So that was one. Another is, I think, this sense of um, Americans are and I think it's a it's a double edged sword. We're very defiant um, strong people. And so, um, when we're faced with something that's stressful, life altering or life threatening, we have a fight or flight response. And I think a lot of Americans tend to go into this fight mode. And I think that fight for whatever reason, it got focused on to the mask. I, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, that's one of the things people decided to fight. And, um, and I, yeah, I mean, that's basically <laughs> the two, the two big reasons that I think, uh, we yeah. have issues with it. Yeah. There's something I think that, I, and I feel it even sometimes in myself when I'm, when I'm thinking it through this, like, I could probably, I'll probably be okay. I'll right. like an exceptionalist. Yes. Thing yeah. that I think is yeah. is is a was embedded in many of uh, us Americans yeah. early on. Yeah. And uh, yeah. but then when I when I think about I, I kind of think how silly that is because um, when I see a doctor in a hospital wearing a mask, I think well obviously <laughs> right they should do that. I don't think, right. well, no, they're American. <laughs> <laughs> right. But there's just something about when it comes to like a collective corporate, all of us thing. Mm-hmm. It's starting to really, it's starting to really kind of, I'm not sure if it's divided us or if it's revealed the divide among us. Ah, that's an interesting way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which is obviously sad. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk a bit about your, your opinion of or your approach to the word fear or the phrase do not be afraid right and how you've approached that you know with because that's obviously you know that's a that's actually the most commanded thing in the bible right um but but certainly or in my opinion certainly is not meant to be hijacked as like because the bible says do not be afraid i won't wear a mask Um, right you know so how do you want to how would you like to suggest that we proceed through the lens of not being afraid, but still being responsible and how 
can you be responsible and do the right thing without giving into fear? Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good, good question. And something I've wrestled with quite a lot, actually, Mm -hmm. since all this started. Um, So forgive me if I start to ramble. (laughs) (laughs) I... I did a little um, reading on fear and what the different, um, because there's different words for fear in the Bible. Yeah. When that command is given, like do not fear, it can mean different things to some degree. Mm -hmm. But, um, and I, you know way more about that than I do, but um, one of the things that I came across was this sense of, um, or the word meaning to not withdraw from or avoid. Yeah. So to me that, that just resonated big time because I think it's very easy to sort of justify ignoring the virus or COVID and just being like, I'm not going to live in fear. I'm going to go hang out with my friends and go to a pool party and have a cookout and we're not going to wear masks. And, and that sounds wonderful and fun and I get it. And like, there's this huge part of me that sometimes wants to do that. Like just wants to like do that. But I, but I realized that it's actually avoiding like that, that, Mm -hmm mentality is an actual like that's an avoiding of reality it's withdrawing from what is our I hate to call it an enemy but that you know withdrawing from the fight or withdrawing from what is in front of us yeah it's denial of what is right it's it's dualistic it's not admitting something it's right and I get it I know the feeling I want to pretend this isn't happening and just have a dinner party with my friends. Right. But then to kind of your point, then I won't be fully facing the truth. Right. Right. And, and I think, um, the more I thought about it in context of the Bible and biblical things is it was often said to the, people in the Bible when they were facing something very fearful, like an opposing army or persecution and martyrdom or, you know, something big, life-threatening, huge. And, um, basically don't run away from that stand and face it. I'm Mm. with you. Like, so that's how I think of it. Like, how can I, I don't know. How can I do that? (laughs) How can I mirror that? Right. So maybe you're suggesting the way that we, um, we would adhere to that sentiment of do not be afraid. Like, let's really face this. It doesn't mean who cares. Just let it be whatever it is. Cause like you could interpret, do not be afraid as like, I'm not afraid, which is why I'm just doing whatever I want. Cause I'm not afraid. I am facing it, whatever it is. You're saying like, face it don't be in denial of it well how like how does wearing a mask fit into that Mm. so i think wearing a mask um there's nothing scary about wearing a mask i mean i guess if you're a claustrophobic person like that can be a challenge um and it's 
uncomfortable. It's hot. You can't read other people's faces very well when someone has a mask on. You can't quite tell what their emotions are. So there's a, I mean, there's a lot of things about wearing a mask that I can see as negative. Um, but as far as wearing a mask being uh, a stance of not being fearful, I think it's, I, <laughs> to me, I don't know, it like epitomizes mm. bravery. That's so good. <laughs> really, truly. And maybe that's just being in medicine because I see like. Well, I actually, as you were saying, as you said the word bravery, I pictured a shield. Right. Of right. battle. And I know that we don't like battle talk. It's not like we want to encourage warfare. It's an, it's an allegory, you know, it's an image. That right. And it is a bit of a battle, obviously, against this virus that we're still trying to figure out. But maybe if it was, I will not be afraid, which is why I will go into battle with a shield on. Right. As opposed right. to, I will run away. <laughs> Right. Or I will pretend it isn't happening. And if you pretend it's not happening, you just lose the fight, right? <laughs> right. Right. I mean, yeah, you're not going to. Yeah, exactly. So if, exactly. The mask, if the mask is the shield, what's the sword? Oh, gosh. How can we defeat uh, this without just beyond just mask wearing? Is there a what's the game plan here? So, I, you know, I've been thinking about that's. I mean, I like. I like that question. I think um, the way to kind of attack this, because this is just, it's, it just uh, is lagging on and on and on, and we just see it going on and on, yeah. <laughs> you know, months into the future, is every day ask ourselves the question, what is the loving thing to do? Mm-hmm. That, I mean... That's that's it. I, I I think that really is the sword. Instead of trying to like figure out how to do the best thing or the right thing or the what's the I don't know what's the latest greatest whatever um, I don't know or what's the best way to justify my behavior. Just ask that question. What's the loving thing to do? And then wear a mask. <laughs> well, it sounds like yeah. The, Sounds like the golden rule, right? Right, right, yeah. Um, you'd mentioned uh, before I press record, you'd mentioned that you would hope that, or that you think we need a unified message. Yeah. So let me put you on the spot with like, you know, people do this to me all the time, and I can't, I'm just uh, one person i'm a pastor that lives in the mountains of north carolina i can't represent all of the history of all billions of christians that have ever lived nor can you represent all health organizations and doctors in the history of civilization but what do you if you were if you were to be the spokesperson of the unified message what is it um that's a great question so I think the unified message one you have to recognize that this is something we have not dealt with before mm-hmm. I think and I think everyone is well aware of that now I don't think that's news to anyone but two in order to combat something that is new 
we have to adapt. We have to be willing to uh, learn and change with what we learn along the way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Instead of like sticking to some sort of yeah, if you oh, have well, a game told plan. told us not to wear masks back in February, yeah. and now they're telling us to wear masks. And, yeah, um, totally. Yeah. So I think that's probably the main thing. Like, to just adapt, yeah. Be, be willing <laughs> to learn with us. We're all learning together, basically. And right now, more and more and more, we're learning that masks are they may be the way out of this. They may be the entire way out of this. And so wear a mask, (laughs) wear a mask, wear a mask. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, do you want to share any stories from your experiences working with COVID patients or is that maybe not allowed? I think I can share some. Um, yeah, so uh, Caldwell County, where I practice, is getting hit much, much harder than Watauga, um, where you live and um, where our church is and um, most of our communities in that area. But um, Caldwell, uh we saw a big jump through the month of June and then July just kind of skyrocketed. And so we have well over a thousand patients with COVID. And we know that if we have a thousand, then we have many, many more than that that are undiagnosed. Right. (laughs) Uh, So we have um, two units in our hospital that are dedicated to COVID. And over the last several days to a week maybe that I've been working those units have stayed pretty much full and to the point that now we are starting to hold COVID patients in the ER so they're admitted to the hospital but there's no room to put them in the hospital so they're just staying in the ER um some some of these patients have just really severe illness, like just uh, overwhelming, um, young, healthy people. Um, one gentleman that I remember very well, uh, pretty young and healthy in his 40s. And his um, he when he first got it back in May, uh, he had to go on a ventilator and was very, very sick and was in the hospital for over a month and then was able to be released from the hospital and then came back within three days and I saw him. And when I saw him, uh, he was having a lot of trouble breathing. I could not hear any breath sounds on his right lung. So usually when that happens, there's either a lot of fluid in the lung or the lung is collapsed. Um, if you can't hear the lungs moving or breathing through a stethoscope. Okay. Uh, and so when I got the x-ray, it looked like his lung was 
collapsed. Um, but I wasn't sure, um, but that, that's what I thought. So I had ended up putting a chest tube in there to try to reinflate his lung, and it, it actually did nothing. And when I did a CT scan, which is just a more detailed test um, of the lungs, we could see that his lungs were just, at least his right lung was almost just totally gone, just eaten away, just necrotic. So like the, the virus eats it. Or like yeah, deteriorates or, or, his, or something. Or his own body, like his own immune system. We don't really, that's all the stuff we're going to be learning. Like, how okay. did that happen? Okay. Was it his own immune system that did that? Was it the virus? Like, what yeah. What was that destructive process? What caused that? Oh, my God. Um, but really, in my mind, I, I had to transfer him to another hospital um, down in Winston-Salem. He... I mean, probably his only chance is a lung transplant for survival. Like, I don't yeah. imagine he has much of a chance. And and some COVID patients have gotten lung transplants. I have seen that. Okay. Um, so, uh, I, I don't know. I, what I remember about him is his... He, he was very kind. He thanked me several times. And even smiled at me and just, I, it, it's, um, it's heartbreaking to feel like I, oh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> yeah. To feel like I can't do anything to make him better yeah. or to help him really. I did everything I could to help him and there's nothing I could do. Yeah. And, uh, and it's common that. I mean, he was maybe one of the worst patients I've seen mm -hmm. with COVID, other than the ones who've died from it, yeah. um, which I've seen that as well. But it's uh, it's really a helpless feeling, you know? Yeah. So I think that's what fires me up, is knowing we can prevent that we can prevent that level of suffering yeah and it's not that hard to do well and that seems to be at the at the essence of why people become doctors or in the medical field at all it's less about trying to fix things it's ideally preventing things from ever being if possible yeah, yeah. And you'd much rather you'd much rather help people not get COVID than help people who get COVID. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Is are you are you tired? Oh, I'm exhausted. Yeah. I part of that's just my work schedule. I've worked a, a lot recently, but yeah. And part of it's just the it's a mental drain cuz I'm <clears throat> I'm also the we call it Respiratory Diagnostic Center. Okay. It's our drive-through COVID testing. So I'm one of the co-directors for that. So we have two of those centers down in Caldwell County. Mm -hmm. So I direct that, and then I work in the ER, and then I direct our urgent cares. And, you know, then I probably some people know my several members of my family got COVID. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, so it's just been, yeah, just this, con like my whole mental world has been COVID <laughs> and it's been hard to turn that off if I even can, you know? Um, so, 
yeah. Well, I'd imagine the life of emergency doctor is stressful to begin with. It seems like it's off the charts more so. Right. Um, with, yeah. with no, absolutely no idea when this slows down or stops. There's hope. Yeah. There's hope. And not blind hope. I mean, numeric hope, but no guarantee. Right. Right. How in the there, world are you sustaining this, Tracy? So, um, I, <laughs> I've started running almost every day. So I, that is one of my big outlets. It's amazingly therapeutic for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, uh, listen to your podcasts. I <laughs> listen to sermons. I pray. I read a lot. I've been reading Thomas Merton mm-hmm. and Belden Lane mm-hmm. and, um, something about the, those two writers in specifically just, mm, it's like bomb for the soul right now, or I don't know something about the way they write and the, content of what they're writing um yeah that's where i can go <laughs> yeah well i mean you're you're dealing with medical realities that are specific and things you diagnose and you test and those two authors they operate more in the category of mystery right so it's like maybe in order for you to maintain your literal diagnosing lifestyle, you have to enter into the mysterious world to offset it a bit. Yeah. 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 That's a good way of putting it actually. And I, and it also gives me, especially like Belden Lane's solace of fierce landscapes, Mm -hmm. just the starkness of these landscapes that he describes Mount Sinai and just various places out in um, New Mexico and mm-hmm. just it's really a good metaphor <laughs> for what I feel I think like yeah. just dry and empty but there's so Alone. much value in it like just it's it's really beautiful I really um, enjoy you know reading. that book my friend Jeremy gave me that book a few years ago Jeremy Bowman the owner of Hatchet mm-hmm he gave me that book a few years ago, right before we went on our sabbatical out west to New Mexico. Oh wow! And ever, and since then, I've probably recommended or given away a dozen or more copies to people because it really mm-hmm. rocked me in the, in a good way. Yeah, yeah. It's the I I've described it many times this way. It's the most delicious book I've ever read and I, <laughs> I I the way he writes is just oh I I don't know how to describe it and I savor every sentence oh. like I just I just love it it's so good well I guess if if the, someone just clicked on to listen to a podcast about COVID-19 <laughs> and then they overheard Dr. Tracy Parrish mention a book that doesn't seem to have anything to do with COVID-19. If you're interested, what she said was, we're describing a book is called The Solace of Fierce Landscapes by Belden Lane. In case you want to write that down and look it up and grab it. 
It has yeah. nothing to do directly with COVID-19, but it seems to be helpful for a doctor to read when she's not at work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's about a walk through grief, I think. I think that's oh, wow. why it's, you know. Well said. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's try to... I mean, I think you've kind of summed this up, but since, you know, to wrap, to wrap it up, can you try to simplify, maybe not what COVID is, but action points for us, simplify right. this. Um, I, I mean, you, I think wearing a mask seems to be one of the biggies, but can you try to simplify for us? Okay. We, we, th- this podcast is over. We go back into the real world. There's some people that are able able to stay at home a vast majority of the time, and then just based on people's vocational realities and requirements, they're not able to stay at home, and they have to go to work, um, mm-hmm. and they have to go to the grocery store, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. Some of that's kind of required for living, but can right. give us a little bit more. Like, what do we do? Tra- what do we do, Doc? What <laughs> do we do? Uh, I think. The, the biggest thing we have to do is guard our hearts against defiance <laughs> um, and that sense of entitlement and ask ourselves, what is the loving thing to do? And that may change that guidance from, uh, you know, met authorities on this illness may change. But for right now, that guidance is to distance as much as possible, okay. wash your hands, and wear a mask. And I, I don't think any of those three things are going to change. Uh, and so I get what that, you're saying. They they probably won't change. But the deeper the deeper answer is not about those specific. Is it's about what do we? How do we love people well? Right. And then if it changes, if our posture is loving people well, if World Health Organization or whoever comes out with an additional thing or an amendment of a thing, instead of a instead of like defiance or entitlement, we we go, okay, we have now adapted and we now know this is the way we try to love people well. Right. Yeah. Right. It might be wash your hands for at least two minutes or it might be <laughs> right. it might be wear a mask that is of this fabric or right. whatever it is. We don't we won't know until someone figures it out. Right. And then um, oh that's so simple. It's so good. It's well it's yeah. it's love is what it is, but it's putting it's putting action to it instead of thinking of love as just a feeling. Right. You know. How do we love? How do we love our neighbor as ourself with the, you know, in COVID nineteen reality? Um, right. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm. I've learned so much from you. Oh. And um, thank you. Yeah. Well, I, I'm really honored to. I don't know, have a voice in this at all. Mm-hmm. Um. So I really appreciate you letting me have a, a louder voice by letting me talk (laughs) and uh yeah i really i enjoy talking to you jason i always do (laughs) always yeah same i'm just so thankful for the role that you're playing in this your willingness to to say something clear and and because i i think that there are a lot of us that are really just looking for some specific direction and um you 
leveraging your, your, I don't know, authority and experience to say something. And also I'm just thankful that, and I'm in awe of you going into a place almost every single day of your life where you know that there's a life there, there's a life threatening disease or, well, I guess multiple life threatening diseases that you face. And it's like, that's not my role in the world is to be a medical doctor, but I've always just been in awe of people that are willing to not just willing, but feel compelled to do that. Hmm. You know, I'm thankful for your role and for others like you and can't imagine a healthy (laughs) physical and also like emotional, healthy civilization without you and your role in the world, you know? And Hmm. so thank you to, thank you to you, but also thank you to, there's anyone, Hmm. any other doctors listening. Thank you. You know? Yeah. But thank you. That, that means a lot. Yeah. And the nurses and all the supporting staff, they're just amazing. Mm -hmm. They're amazing. Yeah. Well, I think we covered it. I think we nailed it, but obviously we, some information might change. And so if anything changes, uh, that is actually pretty pivotal, like really, really foundational change, would it be okay if we did this again? Oh, absolutely. Um, Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully though, that won't be needed and we'll have already made all the adaptations we need to make and we'll um win <laughs> yes <laughs> right right amen to that yeah. yeah but thanks for the specific advice and everything and i really appreciate um your time and wisdom well thank you jason yeah. and so for anyone that's uh that's interested you can um you can go to thingsaboutthings.com for more things. So thanks for listening. <laughs>